Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Football is back on this Thursday night with some college and pro football. Joe Pizza PNI will get into it as well as the interesting baseball games that went off in game five in the NLCS. We know who is in. We know who is out. One more game tonight as well. Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Sports Today. And welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia with you here on the show. Sean Guastamacchia, as always, producing the program. Welcome in. At Craig Mish on Twitter, at Joe Pizapia. 17 on Twitter as well as we head toward another football weekend with some nice diversions of baseball yesterday. Now, for me, a little bit different, of course. Uh, thank you so much to Scott Bogman for filling in for me yesterday on the Yom Kippur holiday, to which... I didn't really do a lot. That's kind of the point to Yom Kippur is to atone for your sins in the uh, Jewish religion. So I spent the day basically sitting around until the evening and then checked in on uh, those baseball games, Joe. And boy, I'll tell you, the results were unpredictable for sure. But the way that the games finished out were even more unpredictable. And that, to me, is what really piqued a lot of people's interest yesterday in a day where there was no football. So baseball could take the spotlight. Yeah, it really was. Uh, The baseball playoffs have been great. I'm curious to see where the numbers lie for all these. Obviously, with the Cardinals, you got that first inning. The game was over. When you you put up a 10 spot in the first inning and hand the ball over to Flaherty, that's pretty much the game. So horrible end of the year for the Braves and the Braves fans. Another, I feel like, a crushing loss for that city, too, of city sports fans between the Super Bowl a couple years ago and this one. They had high expectations, and the Braves have let them down many, many times over the years. So it's got to be tough to be an Atlanta sports fan. But my goodness, Craig, that Dodger game last night, I I finished with a Black Book show. I told you I came in there, bottom of the seventh, and then I see them bringing Kershaw, and I'm like, okay, maybe this will be the Kershaw moment. And that first one to Rendon, it was a great pitch. Rendon did a fantastic job. That was just a great piece of hitting, and Rendon is a fantastic, underrated player in Major League Baseball, especially as a hitter. And then the next one to Soto was just an absolute just mistake, and he just crushed it. And then, I mean, that was it. That was all she wrote. And I feel terrible because Clayton Kershaw has had a Hall of Fame kind of career. Oh, not kind of. Not kind of. Oh, he, yeah. he could stop today. He's a Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. He, he, I agree. He's a Hall of Famer. But the stigma of the postseason – it's it, it's it, there's enough of a sample size where it's not like the one off or the two. It, there's so much of it where these awful moments. Do you think it was a bad idea to put him in there considering they had so many other options at that time? I mean, it, it seems to be that way. And in, in, from all the columns I'm reading coming out of L.A. late last night and this morning, uh, he you know, Roberts is getting crushed. I mean, they're calling for his job. The team won 106 games. They got to game five. That appears to be the decision that cost them the season. Um, I don't know, Joe, that that look, it, it was not a wise decision. Obviously, hindsight is 2020. Maeda had been their best reliever thus far. Oh, he was great when he came season. in after. Yeah, he, 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 he came in. It was yeah, terrific. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I mean, it's Kershaw, man. Like I, I know what the history is, and I know what's been there. But you do not expect him ever to give up back-to-back home runs. Uh, we're in a "What have you done for me lately?" Let's yell and scream hot takes at the instant that the games are over. So I get it. And 
If you're a Dodgers fan, I get it. If you want to play the narrative of Kershaw not being a great postseason pitcher, I get it too. Uh, the reality of the situation is the Nationals are a team that should have done this for the last 10 years and never did it, and they finally did it last night. I am of the opinion that when you have arguably the first or second best player in the National League in Anthony Rendon and the second or third best player, or maybe the first in the National League at Juan Soto, and when those two guys beat you, um, you know, I mean, yeah, Howie Kendrick gave that, that to me. With Howie Kendrick in a grand slam, that may have been more of an indictment than anything because of the way that the bullpen was set up throughout the night where they didn't, where they had to go with Joe Kelly for two innings. That, to me, is you still right. had a chance to win the game at that point. You did. But, you did. But, Joe, yeah. when the best players in baseball beat you. Right. Who am I and to say? And beat your best. Oh, and beat your best, theoretically, yes. too. I mean, so what, what's know, there to say? What, what is there to say? It's like, nothing. oh, my gosh, how could, how could they put in Kershaw on a face? No, crap. no. I, how could I, they, I, how just, could they oh, face J.D. Martinez? I don't disagree with you. Yeah, so. I just wonder if our, our, our managers falling in love with this whole game five, game seven, whatever it is, deciding game where – you know, everybody has this image in their head of Randy Johnson coming in and, and closing out games and stuff like that. And and uh, some of those guys can do that. The Sabathias, we've, we've seen some of these. A lot of it has worked, Joe. A lot, a lot of, of it has worked. worked. Bumgarner obviously is the poster child for it. Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton. Another one. What I guess here's the question is, is, sure, is that sir. just what we should always go to? Do you think because yes. you made the yes. point where might has been that guy? Nah, that, that's the, the way guy. it goes. You use your you use those, those starters come in. Verlander did it also. Bumgarner did it several yeah. times, as you mentioned. The, the 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 Astros do not win the World Series without Charlie Morton fish, uh, pitching what innings four through so nine. You, in that game? So you think that you think that Dave Roberts does not deserve to get fired off this decision? I do not. I do not. I, I, I think, don't either. I, I, I think that you. it was a bad decision. I think that sometimes we fall maybe. Um, do you think it was a bad decision or a good decision that just worked out poorly? Uh, it doesn't I think, sound like you think it's a bad decision because you just said this is what you do. You bring I, in your I, best guy. I think that after giving up the home run to Rendon, I think you probably have somebody warming up at that point and you don't allow it to go any further. Uh, you know, one and, and again, it was a lefty lefty matchup, of course, on Kershaw and Soto. But again, Joe, I cannot stress enough. Of the top 10 players in all of Major League Baseball, I could easily make the argument that those two guys are in there. I just don't understand why everyone's jumping up and down about how Kershaw blew it, which he did, as, oppo <laughs> as opposed to, I mean, you say, you say to yourself in the seventh inning situation of an um, ALCS, NLCS game five, give me the top 10 guys in all of baseball who you'd want at the plate. You would not go ten without getting out of the two guys that I just mentioned. You You're wouldn't. absolutely right. You're absolutely right, and that's what. And that look, this was a great moment of baseball because you had the big star pitcher going against the big star hitters, and the Nationals. You're right. Let's. I feel like what's getting lost in this narrative of how fantastic a job the Nationals have done of fighting and clawing their way back into games and back into series, and they have, and they've got a little bit of mojo right now. And and I'll tell you what, this is a team that really believes, and this this matchup against the Cardinals should be a, a great one because these are two so. teams that are playing their best baseball. I feel like right now, and I think that's what you want, and two fan bases here, one a historical fan base, obviously, in baseball with St. Louis, and the other one, a fan base that's very, very rabid for their team. I know a lot of those dudes I used to work with, like you, uh, at the other station, where we used to, you know, they were all based in there, huge Nats fans, and they've been crushed so oh, many yeah, times. Yeah, it's great for them. They are oh, loving yeah. life right now. They are, and it'll be you know the hardest ticket to come by in that city since the Redskins won the Super Bowl, probably, I would guess, in the NLCS. By the way, a couple of uh, postscripts on this. First of all, the Nationals are favored to win the series. They are three to one uh, to win the World Series. Now the well, Cardinals they have are four to one pitching depth, and that makes secondly. Sense to me. Secondly, for those of you, and now you're getting to know me with my betting habits, Joe, is that <laughs> uh, I don't start talking about futures bets until it gets close or until I think I have a definitive win. But everybody knows me online and from the show is that I call it when I win and I call it when I lose it. 
And at the winter meetings last year in December, a year ago, the day they got Goldschmidt or the day after they got Goldschmidt, I went to the win. I cashed a different ticket and I put 200 on the Cardinals to win the World Series at 12 to 1. And so we are going to discuss what I should do now mm. with this ticket because uh, they are now they're now 4 to 1 to win the World Series. So the 12 to 1 is long gone. By the way, a month ago, you could have got 18 to 1. Got much better odds. Uh, but we will talk about that. We'll also get into what happened between the Atlanta Braves and St. Louis Cardinals. We would have spent more time on it, but there's really nothing to talk about because the Cardinals just absolutely demolished them from start to finish. Truth be told, because of the Yom Kippur holiday, I didn't have a chance to see virtually any of that game until uh, until the end. So obviously I know what happened. Obviously I know what happened. And what happened is, you, you know, a, a Jewish pitcher decides to pitch on Yom Kippur. That's that's, you know, there oh, you so that's what that's that's why. So that's obviously nothing to do with the outcome. But I will say I was a little disappointed. Well, you know what I love the most just because you said it, I wasn't going to mention it. But, you know, after the game, all the guys on the winning side, I was talking about how much, you know, you know, the gods bless them with all these things. Meanwhile, there's Clayton Kershaw, who is one of the most outright religious folks that you'll ever find in baseball. Does yeah. God hate him? Is that how, yeah, what's yeah, going on? Nonsense. Like, that's why I, I say like, politics yeah. and religion are two things I don't want in that's my sports. Right. And so I don't give it to people when they, when they listen to me. Good some for people, you. Some I, people I, love to hear it. It's not something that I do. And I've, I've stood by that. I just, I personally, when I listen to sports, I don't want to hear people talk about it. No, I, so agree. I don't, so I don't deliver that as well. But a lot of people certainly have made a lot of money doing that, uh, both on, <laughs> on social media and on TV. All right, we'll get into <laughs> some football next. You're listening to fantasy sports today. The opening drive is coming up. What in the world is going on with two running backs in fantasy that all of a sudden popped up on the injury report? We're going to have to monitor that throughout the week, too. Fantasy Sports Today rolls on after this. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First play from scrimmage. The opening drive. The first play of the game. And this is the opening drive on Fantasy Sports Today. And with so much baseball happening yesterday, there's simply no way we could have the opening drive, even though it is the opening drive with football, without doing a little baseball here on the show. So that certainly makes me happy. Let's start off on first down, Joe. We're just skipping right over football. We're going right to baseball here. Uh, well, you can tell you were away for a day. <laughs> well, has, has, <laughs> I mean, look, we, could, we got an hour and a half to do football. We could do that then. Uh, uh, has, has Clayton Kershaw's time come to an end? Uh, on first down. Now, let, let's throw the asterisk here, okay? An insurmountable amount of money that he is owed. That's true. Yeah. But 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 maybe there is a way, you know, you know, things happen. They, they figure that stuff out. It's blasphemous, you would think, to talk about it. To me, first ballot Hall of Famer, one of maybe three pitchers in baseball right now that you could guarantee getting into the Hall of Fame as a pitcher. I don't even know if there's three. I know there's two. Maybe three. Um, maybe four, actually. Kershaw has his time in L.A. come to an end. 
uh, the insurmountable money is the hard part for me. It's, to get it's my, so my, hard my to get past that, right? It right. is. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. It's 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 got to be a, a team that can, number one, take on that kind of salary. Number two, has a need for a starting pitcher and is willing to risk because they're a win now team. The fact that this is a guy that hasn't made 30 starts since 2015. Let's let's not. I mean, uh, let's not mince words about it. Okay. I mean, this is a guy that you know he pitched well this year. The ERA was not quite as. I mean, it's a three ERA. Normally, we're used to under that. We're on the two and a half world and less for Clayton Kershaw. That's how good he was for about an eight year period. But you know, there's teams like I look at the Atlanta Braves. And I was just thinking about this last night. You know, and I thought the Atlanta Braves were a team that had a perfect opportunity there to try to make it run a bum garner. And I wonder how differently the postseason might work out for them if they had that kind of pitcher who had been there, battle-tested, all that stuff. If you are also a win-now team, is there a part of you that is afraid to acquire Clayton Kershaw because you feel like, man, this guy, I mean, Bumgarner has a track record. He shows up in those games. He performs in those games. Kershaw does not. So you're taking on all this risk, all the salary, and on top of that, all the negative stats that you look at of letdowns in the postseason, and that's a bad combination to make a trade. So I'm going to say no. I think he's yeah, back in L.A., I don't think it, I just think it's the immovable object. He he had to have a good season if they wanted to get out. <laughs> he had yeah. a good postseason. And he's he's though thirty one next year and thirty one the year after. It would have to be a situation where um, you know because L A doesn't. I don't know. This is what some baseball executive told me, so I'll I'll say it here on the show. The the Dodgers, Joe, they don't make trades. They just move money around. That's what somebody told me. They they don't make like straight trades. All it is is you take this money, we'll take this money, and you can go back and look at all of their trades. It's always no, like we'll take true. this on, we'll take that on. So to me, what would have to happen with something like this, Joe, and, and again, this won't happen, but to just throw out like a wild scenario of like plausibility, it would be like L.A. Uh, taking uh, uh, Joey Votto back and his money and the Reds right, taking yeah. Kershaw. I they owe him $62 million. The Dodgers now owe Votto uh, 25 next year, 25 the year after that. Maybe they make Cincinnati eat like 15 of it or, you know, it's like that's that's the only way that I could see anything like that playing out. The other scenario that I would say, and it would be contingent upon the Phillies, who I believe will chase Garrett Cole, is that if they don't, like, I could, that's the other team that I could say, oh, well, you know, the Phillies, you know, they're so desperate. Well, doesn't he have a no team. trade, too? I mean, you know. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, he's got, yeah, he's got to have 10 and 5. Let me see. He has a yeah, no trade in there, too. Oh, so yeah, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. so many elements that you're you're probably looking at, like I said, just an immovable object in Clayton Kershaw, unless probably some, so. Like probably a, wa- a waste of four minutes that we just did because you're probably right. I, I not just, a waste, I but know. but I think but I think we, I think I think this is just an illustration of being very careful with pitchers as you cross over into thirty. How much money you give them, how much uh, you know, where those contracts are, how much you're dictating, and the fact that they do play in a huge market. Some teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers can can afford to be wrong, and I don't say they're wrong with this one, but look, they haven't gotten. Since 2015, they haven't gotten all of Clayton Kershaw between missing starts, time yeah. on the IL, yeah. and bad postseasons that they should have for the money they're paying him. That's all. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what, though? With respect to the Dodgers, they they uh, they only have him through the next two years. That's not a long time. Like that, not if, bad. If things went wrong the next couple of years, they're out in two years, and they're fine. I'll say this. In two years, I think they just let him walk. That oh, I yeah. Think. And you know what? He may be done. He may be done at that point. It's He's easier to move him. Not next in 2021. It's easier to move him with one year on that deal. It's a lot easier. Uh, I'll guess. I'll guess he ends up staying and and finishes out, and then his final years in two years. Maybe they do a Wainwright where they give him like an extra one year for eight million just to stay. All right. Uh, second down. Should I sell my Cardinals ticket? Okay. So here is the scenario, Joe. Uh, Two hundred dollars on the Cardinals to win the World Series. Posted December. Take a look here. Twelfth, <laughs> two thousand and eighteen. Almost a year. 
If the Cardinals win the World Series, I get back 2,400 in winnings and, of course, my extra 200 back. So a total of $2,600. What would be the number for you, Joe, to sell this ticket right now, uh, holding a Cardinals ticket to win the World Series? And better yet, uh, this Houston-Tampa game tonight does factor into the equation, no doubt. Because honestly, Joe, if Tampa wins tonight, I think I'm holding this ticket, man. If Tampa wins, you hold the ticket. If they don't, I think you take advantage of the very uh, fervent St. Louis Cardinal fan base. And they are. They're great fans. What's the I number, though? Time there in spring training the a couple years ago. Um, I don't know. 800 sounds like a good way to get out. I think I, I don't know if I could get that, but I think I would take that. Would somebody pay? I think, you, oh, I, I think that's what I think you start with a thousand. And well, well think about it. Well, think about it like this. Like, well, if, if somebody six, eight. Well, nobody would give me eight. I'll tell you why. OK, if they're four to one to win the World Series. Then that's thirty two hundred dollars. So somebody could just bet eight hundred to win thirty two hundred without even having to pay me for the ticket. So I okay. suppose so with four go. to one odds, someone's going to want to take five to one. So the most I could get here, I think, is uh, five hundred bucks. Yeah, sounds about right. I mean, that's not very exciting to me. You just hold it and maybe you get lucky. Not if Houston gets there. I think I'm going to punt. I think I think if Houston wins, I think I got to start looking into it because. <laughs> I just I can't believe Houston's gotten to this point. Like, I mean, I mean, I, no, I just, not only that, that imagine that guy we talked about last week who put three million dollars on Houston. He doubled down on that's tonight's a, game, too. That's the, only, that's the only thing I can't shake that guy every time I'm watching the mattress. <laughs> Max to natural loss. Mattress. Mac. Oh, mattress. Mac. All right. Brian McCann retired yesterday. Uh, Joe, that's our third down subject here. Probably not a Hall of Famer, but in fantasy no. and we could we could put it toward fantasy. Certainly one of the top three catchers for about six or seven years drafted in fantasy drafts, always a solid 20 home run, 60, 70 RBI guy. And before catching went to a complete wasteland, he was a guy that you could rely on. He had a great career, World Series champ with the Astros. He did he a very, a very good major league career, an all-star player, great career, 10 of 11 seasons with 20 home runs there for a stretch. Pretty, pretty incredible run for him. And a guy who caught all the way up into age 35, which is tough to do. Um, this was a guy probably had he played in a different era and he had some better vitamins, maybe he would have had a nice renaissance here later in his career, but certainly saw the drop off in the last three years for sure. And um, this was a guy too historically bad second halves too. If you go back and look, that was one of my always fantasy knocks on him. It's like, look, and look, it was probably the wear and tear of catching, but always a good first half player in second half, always had some massive tail offs, but a great career. Hall of Famer, no, sorry, but a really, really strong major league player. And I'm sure he'll catch on working for an organization in some fashion. He seems like that kind of dude. Yeah, yeah. Said he wants to be with a family for a year or two, but you're right. I agree. Yeah, and then he'll do that and be like, what am I doing? Why am I here? (laughs) My family, I hate my family. This is why I was a major league baseball player. I didn't have to spend time with my family. All right, final story here, fourth down. There's a town right now in North Carolina, Joe, that they can't wash their clothes for the next five days. One of the more bizarre things that you'll see. And uh, I read this online yesterday. I was just kind of thinking to myself, Joe, if I could not wash my clothes for five days, what I would do. But the water is obviously uh, tainted a little bit in this area in North Carolina. Have you ever gone five days without doing laundry? No, I don't understand. While high amounts of iron can discolor the water, it's safe to drink, but it's not safe to wash clothes. Really? Really? It's safe to drink? I can Sounds drink it, weird. but it's going to turn my clothes all kinds of different colors. What it's gonna, what's it going to turn my insides into, Craig Mish? Yeah, I, I don't know. Weird story here, but uh, usually after about three days, I need something. Washed, Are you drinking so. that water if you live there in that town? Well, I, I in general, I'm a bottled water kind of guy. We're not blessed like you guys are in, in the Northeast to have that great water coming out of the tap. So here it's it's usually 95 percent bottled water for me. So. Yeah, well, we still do the we still do the what do you call it? The, the, the Brita filter anyway. 
but still, I mean, come on, like what? It's, it's okay to drink it. Just don't wash your clothes. because It's going to turn them all kinds of crazy colors because there's a lot of iron. All right. Good luck. See you later, guys. No, yep. sorry. In the, in the world of bizarre, that is definitely the case. All right. Uh, coming up next, it is time for us to check in with the NFL lines this weekend and find out if the wrong teams are favored in the NFL. And this week, we have a lot of games, a lot of close games, well, at least a lot of expected close games. We'll see if that indeed is the case. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Become the eighth person to win a million dollars in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament. NFL setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer or join the countless number of people who have won thousands of dollars each week playing DFS using DailyRoto.com. If you're playing Daily Fantasy Sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you are doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL Annual Pass with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. It is a Thursday. We have an NFL game tonight. Joe and I, of course, will break it all down for you coming up soon, including some player props. Probably going to be an ugly game. We'll focus more on the props than we do the teams. But in the NFL, you never know. But let's start with the games that we really don't know. And there are so many lines this week that are three or less in the NFL. More than half the games are expected to come down to the last possession of a game. And that's what makes gambling so crazy. And let's start off, Joe, with a couple of these teams. In the early games, we'll start off. Then we'll move to the late. The Carolina Panthers are at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Clearly, I would love to have a firm opinion on this point when we know that there is a 100% of Christian McCaffrey playing. But of course, at least from multiple reports, he just got a vet day yesterday and he should be okay regardless of how much he does today or not. If I knew he wasn't playing in this game, I'd have to change my opinion. But certainly, let's dive into it here. Panthers minus two and a half at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is the wrong team favorite in this game. This is a tricky one. You know, these London games, like anything can happen. I feel like you're just going to throw after everything watching last window. week. You think uh, Raiders go up 17, nothing on the bears after, and then the bears the go last... up 21, 17. Jeez. Mish after watching the last five years, we know this. So it's, that's why it's so you know, hard to predict those games. It's very hard to predict. And I'll tell you what, I, I think the right team is favored for, for me, for my taste. Cause I think the bucks are going to win this football game. I just do. It's just this horrible feeling I have where they're going to, they're going to get out there. And uh, I'm not saying they're going to stop Christian McCaffrey. But I just feel like they're going to just continue to do what the Bucks do, which is be irresponsible. And I feel like they're irresponsible enough in a place where there is a, a neutral field. This could be a good look for them. And they could just have their, just a, the right amount of irresponsibility to win this football game in terms of throwing the ball all over the place. So I would expect a bounce back from Mike Evans now that Marshawn Lattimore isn't all up in his Kool-Aid. And Godwin's been terrific. Get back to run the football with Ronald Jones a little bit more. And I think that the Bucks can do it. So the right team is favored. Because I want to take the other side of this game. So I love the fact that the Bucs are actually an underdog here because Tampa. 
Yeah, yeah. Where, where, where are you at with this one? Yeah, I mean, I everyone's I throwing the ball, so you got to think Kyle Allen can at least throw the ball. I hope on the Bucks. Everyone but, else has. I hope I can't. I mean, Teddy Tampa. B put up 300 yards last week. I, I, I can't take Tampa Bay. I can't. Come I can't. On. I can't. I can't do it. You don't have to I take can't. Tampa Bay to win. <laughs> you well, to Tampa Bay. I mean, this and, the line is so Bay tight. Cover. <laughs> That's I'm, it. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna. I would probably take Carolina. I don't have a strong opinion on this game, honestly. I don't. Um, yeah. It's. I don't trust the Bucks at all, and and if you go against a trend, which is usually not wise, you're going against one of the hottest teams in the NFL, the Panthers. So I'll, I'll take Carolina, but I don't feel great about it. Seahawks are are two point favorites at the Browns. If I told you this a month ago, you would have said no way. What happened? Who got hurt on the Browns? Nobody got hurt except for their feelings. Just their Bra- ego. Yeah. Browns are not even a home favorite this week against Seattle. No one will take Cleveland this week. And I think, Joe, that's a mistake. I think that this is a very fishy line here this week. Two weeks ago, no one took the Browns at Baltimore. They beat them outright. The only question is, will they pull that off again this week against Seattle? Seattle minus two at Cleveland is the wrong team favorite in this game. So you think they just keep pulling rabbits out of the hat, huh? You think they could just I keep do. doing this over and over again? I do. I think they win mm-hmm. this week. <laughs> I just, when, when your team, when the team in the NFL is at their lowest almost overreactionary point, that's usually the time to go with that side. But look, I mean, this could be the end, the end of the season. I, is this week. So I, I think the end is not. Wins. Okay. I, I do. I, I think that there's only so many times you could play that back against the wall before we all start to realize that, hey, this is not a good football team. And it's one thing when you got Lamar Jackson on the other side of this field and a Ravens defense, it's, that's meh. It's another thing when you got Russell Wilson on the other side of this field. Russell Wilson's playing like an MVP right now. And I think at the end of the day, this game comes down to which quarterback can you trust to make the play in the big moment. And I don't trust Baker Mayfield to do that. I'm sorry. I just don't. So I think the right team is favored here. And you make all the right points. You're absolutely right. The Browns have showed you when their back's against the wall so far this year. They've shown up. They showed up in that Jets game. But again, that's kind of like an incomplete because they played against a third string quarterback. They showed up with their back against the wall after another loss and beat Baltimore and Baltimore. Yay. And then they got absolutely pwned on Monday night. That game was brutal. And to me, I think the Seahawks go in there and I think this might be if it's not the knife in the heart, it's certainly close to it. They, they're sticking it in. We'll see if another team can twist it, but it's going to be an ugly one. I think the Seahawks with Russell Wilson come out with the W. Okay. Yeah, I, I think the Browns win easily. <laughs> awesome. I can't wait for Monday. It's going to be I great. I, I mean, I'm telling you, man, this is what the NFL is, man. Like, it's not that Typically, I like the Browns I would at agree all. with you, but the way Russell Wilson's playing, if this was a different, you're, you are right in theory. I just concerned with the practice of this one because of the way Wilson's played. Wilson has really just been yeah, outstanding. Great and I got to give him credit. Easily the better team. I thought he was. I thought but he was overrated. But, but Joe, you know what? Year, if, if Seattle is that much better than Cleveland, ask yourself this question. Why is the line two? Why is it four, five, six? And the I reason think it's because it, the narrative that you're laying out there, which that, is they've well, that's seen not a narrative. The These are facts. This is the NFL. This is what happens. Just it when is. you think the team is at its lowest point. Now, again, there's a difference. I'm not between saying the, I feel good about it. Like, I'm yeah, not, no, no, I'm no, not no. running there, out there. There's a difference but between the Browns and the Dolphins and the Redskins and the Bengals. The Browns have some talent. It's just not working for them. But they have the players. It's just. There, there's just a big difference in that. So these are so good this week. We might have to like drag these because like, these are really good conversations because these games are tough between the London yeah, game, between the four teams on a bye. Man, flipping coins. Jaguars flipping against the coins. Saints. Jaguars are at home minus one. Uh, it's it's either believing that the Saints continue this run that they've had, which is certainly plausible, or they run into Jacksonville's defense, which by the way wasn't that good last week against Carolina. But maybe it was just McCaffrey. Hard to say. Uh, Minshew has been great, no question. Saints defense has been great, no question. More or less an even game, but you got to lay one with Jacksonville. So it's not even like is the wrong team favorite. It's like just who wins the game outright. Give me the Jaguars because I want. I'm just believing that that rookie of the year bet now. I'm just all in now. Ever since we did that, <laughs> but now we could have like, got better odds if we waited a week. It's five to one now. 
Is it fine? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. but you didn't want to wait extra week. You were afraid. And and look, if they win this week, it's going to go back up to like like of three, course. right? If they beat the Saints, forget it. Yeah, Jacobs. So, yeah. Well, and, and he should have after that game. That was a very good game. But I would say this. I think that you could see after a couple of really big games here, potential letdown on the road. Teddy Bridgewater looked great last week, but it was the Bucks. Everybody throws for a lot of yards in the Bucks. The other two games he played, he was not spectacular by any stretch of the means. So let's not get overindulgent about how great Teddy Bridgewater is. And I think Minshew at home after a couple tough road games here, I think he deserves a big home W there. And I think he's going to get it here. I really do. He keeps on fighting and I think they'll find a way. Talk about playing the underdog. I mean, Minshew plays that role well. I think the Jaguars are the right team to be favored and they will win. Vikings minus three at home versus the Eagles. This line tells you it's an even game. They're just giving Minnesota uh, three points. You know, they're laying three because they're at home. That's it. It's basically an even game. Is the wrong team favorite here? Minnesota wins. Can't figure them out at all. Eagles would seem to be would seem to be on the rise, I guess, based on the way that they've played, but they'll run into a Minnesota team that's been impossible to figure this season. What don't do don't base it on the Jets' performance last week. Don't base your love of the Eagles. I know they went in there and they beat Green Bay, and that was a fun game, but don't don't tell yourself that the Eagles' defense is all that good considering they played against the Jets. The Jets are that bad. I think the Vikings win this game at home. I think they're the right team favored, and I think that you hope that the Cousins' confidence level continues over because this is a secondary you can throw on. Xavier Rhodes is going to be all over Alshon Jeffrey, who's not quite what he used to be, and I think that that's going to be a, a tough matchup there for them. So give me the Vikings, and I agree with this line. Oh man, I'll probably take the Eagles in this one. Um, I just, of course, you will. It's good radio. Not take a strong, not a strong endorsement on Minnesota beating up on the Giants. So I'll, I'll probably just take points in this one. But this will be a betting pass for me. Redskins minus three at the Dolphins. The dare to watch game of the week, maybe of the year in this one. The Dolphins really need to find a way to lose. Redskins could stick it to them by not showing up. These comments, if they're indeed true from Callahan saying that they got to run the ball a lot more, mean that this is a low scoring bottom line, close game, probably the ugliest game we've had all season long, but is the wrong team favored in this one? Redskins minus three. At no, Miami. Case Keenum's back at quarterback. Of course, the right team is favored here. It should be the Redskins favor. The Dolphins, this is a must lose game for the Dolphins. Must lose. You cannot beat the Redskins of all the teams you're going to get a W against. This is the worst one because they very well might be the tiebreaker and you don't want to lose that tiebreaker in the head to head for the number one overall slot to the Redskins. It's the worst case scenario for you. So I, I this will be a ugly. I agree. Competitive, you know, in the worst sense of the word game. But yeah, I think the Redskins are the proper team to be favored by three. But it tells you just how bad the Redskins are, right? Because we went through everybody's like, what, 19 and a half, 22. And then the Redskins come to town and it's a three. Yeah, I think the Redskins are the right team. Uh, Rams minus three versus the 49ers. This is one of my favorites of the ones so far. Um, And I'll explain why. This is, again, one of those massive overreaction games. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, Rams are minus seven against the 49ers. 49ers have played fantastic. But uh, this is a massive overreaction for me. I think San Francisco is good. I think they are 10 wins good. I think the Rams should be bigger favorites in this game. I think they're the better team. This is the one favorite here that I do like. Uh, And I I love dogs. So uh, I'm more inclined always to take underdogs across the board. But in this particular case, I think I'm going to take the Rams this week against the 49ers. They've had 10 days. 49ers have had six. 49ers are missing a couple of pieces. I think the Rams play well. Well, you brought up the point I was going to bring up with. They've had a lot of time to prepare for the 49ers. Short week for the 49ers. Not hugely short, but short nonetheless. But terrible. How this can, is, how can they the do this to the 49ers? The 49ers have to play Monday night and then Sunday against a team that played Thursday. So they play yeah, on a short California, week. So who, but it's but in still, California. So it's not like traveling. A, I've never seen a team play on a short week 
against the Monday uh, and have to play on Monday night against a team that's had 10 days. I, I've not seen this in the NFL in a long time. Well, there's a lot of wacky things to schedule. We never saw 10 one o'clock games either until last week, did we? I mean, <laughs> when's the last time that happened? Uh, I'm with you. I think the Rams are the right team to be favored here. I think they have too many weapons. And now we'll really see what the 49ers are made of because the Rams are uh, its kind of like a wounded animal. You know, like one of those like wounded dogs that's really dangerous. So you got to be careful because they need to win in the worst way. You have a bad loss at home against the Bucs. And then you go and you fight to the death and you end up losing on a kick of all things to the Seattle Seahawks. So I don't know, man. This is a big game for the Rams. My guess is there's going to be uh, a lot of throwing in this. And Goff always plays better at home. So I think this is where the 49ers get checked. But they're probably a 10-win team anyway, Craig, because of the schedule they have. Right. So even if right. they lose this game, they're still in good shape. Two more games, 30 seconds apiece. Falcons minus two and a half at the Cardinals. Uh, right team is favored here. I, the Falcons are trash, but they, okay. they're trash. I'm going to give Cardinals you some trash. advice. You're going to get murdered on these games if you don't pick a dog eventually. Okay, you only have one here, Joe. You're going to lose a lot of these. If you I did. I, pick, I, was, I said the Bucks. I got the Bucks. Okay. That's not enough. You're going to get crushed. Right. Take, Tennessee, take Tennessee against Denver. Feel better no. about it. No? no? All right. You'll take all the favorites. Yeah. Give me Denver. All right. It's going to be a bad uh, bad week for Joe, but it's okay. I'll take Tennessee in this game. I actually like Tennessee <laughs> going into this one. I'm passing on Falcons, Cardinals, uh, but those are the wrong team favored segment that we do every week here on the show coming up next is professor joe pizapia he'll join us next as we go into some of the ramifications from fantasy including not believing the hype dailyrodo.com learn from the game's best dfs players we don't just give you premier advice we play every day all major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Fantasy Sports Today brings you... Oh, back to school. Back to school. What's your favorite subject? Foosball. Really? <laughs> And welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. You heard it there in the open. It is back to school time as we lean in on our professor of fantasy. He is Joe Pizzapia. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe Pizzapia 17. And each and every week, what we do is we invite the professor to teach us some lessons about reality, about fantasy, about life. Who knows? You never about acting, fencing. It could be anything. But in this particular case this week, we're going to start off with the offensive lines in fantasy. So, Professor Pizapia, take it away. Craig, is that gum in your mouth? Uh, no, I uh, All right. sorry. Because if there is gum in your mouth, did you bring enough for the entire class? That's I put question. it in the bottom of the seat, Professor. All right. Little, you're on notice, Mish. All right. All right. Next Got thing, it. something's going home with your parents. I'm going to send a little note home. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to the chalkboard and start talking a little. I'm going to be like Vince Lombardi. I always want to have a... I want to just want to have a chalkboard and draw X's and O's and just start yelling at people. That's the most Italian thing you could possibly do. It's like with Vince Lombardi and those old clips of him yelling at the guys at the X's and O's, they're going to get a seal here and a seal here. That was pretty much how my grandmother talked to everybody in the family. It was pretty much Vince Lombardi. Similar, similar body type too, ironically. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) All right. Let's get after it and let's talk about some of these, uh, these gems for you and things to take away as you're preparing, not only for the rest of this season, but, 
into next year too already and start to think about this. More attention must be paid to the offensive line grades when you're evaluating not just quarterbacks, but offenses in general. Far too often, we get caught up in the quarterback love, uh, the athleticism of some of these young quarterbacks. We get caught up far too often in, my goodness, look at this running back. Look at this wide receiver. They're so good. They're so talented. Look at the way they run the routes, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, it begins and ends with the offensive line. And if the offensive line isn't any good, tell me all those people who love Baker Mayfield, how much work did you do understanding the grades of the offensive line? All these people who love Deshaun Watson, and I'm one of them. I was hoping, especially when they acquired Tunzel, that things would get better. And maybe they did last week. Maybe it'll carry over. I don't know. But so far, it tells you, man, it really has a negative effect, not just on Watson, but also on the rest of the offense. Look at Hopkins and all those numbers. So I think that... It's a big takeaway. People need to understand it more. I will do a better job as well in the Black Book next year discussing offensive lines and probably ranking them and and talking about the grades of them too because I think that's something that has hurt a lot of people who just looked at the talent, Craig, more than they did about the support of that talent and that supporting cast is what allows them to be the players and the talent that they are on the field. Yeah, and, and offensive line is not always easy. You, you just, from year to year, it changes so much. And and I think that that's the dynamic that some of the great uh, sites that are out there, they produce these stats that I've, like these advanced gen stats that I've never even heard of before. But yeah, I mean, you have to pay attention to that kind of stuff. And I think that it definitely can affect fantasy. For me, I think that that's very useful. And unfortunately, I don't think we do pay enough attention to it. So I think it's a good point by you. All right, next is number two. Don't believe all the hype. What happens is we get tired as a fantasy community sometimes and the analyst community, and this happens in baseball, it happens in basketball, it happens everywhere, where we're tired of talking about the same old guys. So people latch on to certain players that may or may not have an opportunity, and all of a sudden they start getting overhyped and over-discussed, and they absolutely never translate. And it's, look, once out of every five, maybe every six, you get one of these guys that people talked about who are quote unquote sleepers who actually materialize. Don't pass on the Mark Ingrams of the world. Don't pass on the boring old Larry Fitzgeralds of the world. So you can draft guys like Kalen Balage because you think he's going to be the next thing. Meanwhile, Kalen Balage in week six now is now third on the depth chart at running back for the dolphins and the dolphins are the worst team in football. So what does that tell you? It tells you sometimes you need to tune out the noise in the words of the esteemed Bill Belichick. And you have to realize that it's just a matter of people are tired in the fantasy community of telling you how good Julio Jones is or how good this player is or that player is. So I think what you have to do is remember those guys have a place and it's not necessarily the place that ends up happening in terms of ADP. And if you look at the teams and the rosters you have, I guarantee you those old standby teams that have guys like Larry Fitzgerald and Mark Ingram on it are teams that are doing pretty well right now, Craig. Yeah, and, and that's that's part of the dynamic as to um, I, I think that injuries are a big part of this. And those are the things that I follow. But I always I do poke fun at these at these coaches that say these different things that almost never pan out for me. Like I I, I feel good about certain things going into the year. But unfortunately, what happens is and this is why, again, I will never draft early in fantasy football is that. We read these early reports on training camp about this guy looks great and this guy looks amazing and he's catching everything and every ball. And then you get to the regular season and then none of that happens. So, yes, if you're able to tune that out, fine. But I would say that because there's so little information 
that goes on in July and August that we tend to gravitate to it. And that causes major problems in fantasy. And indeed, it caused major problems this year. A lot of people yeah. drinking Kool-Aid like myself on Miles Sanders. Go go and do a Twitter search on Miles Sanders and what people were saying about him in the preseason. Yeah, best player on the field. Best running back on the field. No way Jordan Howard plays over this guy. Guess what? Not true. Yeah. David Montgomery. Uh, best running back in fantasy, gonna be a star. Gonna be. Well, look, I don't, look best at running back in fantasy. Tackle. That's that. Rookie, I don't think rookie, anybody said that. Rookie, rookie, rookie. Right maybe, now. maybe. But look, it, it goes even like the Justice Hills of the world. You know, guys where people see opportunities or refuse to give any credit to the veteran who's ahead of them. Kiki QT, another guy that was just talked about ad nauseum. Oh my god, the Kiki QT conversations I would have with people were just crazy. Frank Gorn, Joe. Right. Who was out there doing it? Like Devin Singletary, God bless him. He looked good in the 12 carries he's had this year, but that's that's not enough to build a fantasy team around, unfortunately. And it's not that you don't want to take those guys. It's just you have to keep in mind. It's probably for rookies, especially at the running back position, something you have to have patience with. It's not a dynasty situation. This is a situation we're talking redraft and most people play redraft. So let's be honest. These guys should be bonuses, not the anchors of your team. And if you can get them, Later rounds, that's great. But the problem is the fantasy community as a whole. And this goes for the biggest analysts out there. I could take you to the biggest analyst on the, the network with four letters in it and show you all kinds of Kalen Balaj propaganda that is just it killed so many people because their reach is so large. And when you're wrong that much about a player, you know, or, or a group of players like that it really does hurt the fantasy community at large because they are trusting us to give them good advice. And sometimes the good advice is the boring veteran. Now I got a question for you before we go to number three, you are one of these. And I remember when we first started working together, you said years ago, I always in baseball drafts, take advantage of the veteran talent out there that people get sick of. And it's kind of the same idea. However, in the last five years, we've seen a lot of that veteran talent kind of fall off the map sometimes. Has that changed at all for you in baseball? Because you've seen it's it's really trended to be a young man's game in the last couple of years. I never did that. I don't even know what you're talking about. We had a conversation. We're like, the best thing I like to do in drafts is take it. I'll never forget. It's one of the first things we did. I like to go after guys because I think veteran talent is underrated and undervalued. And I scoop up all those veterans. Wasn't me, man. Yeah, okay. I don't think it was okay. me. I mean, okay. Lenny Melnick and I have had. No, these, no, it was. It was. Right, not what Lenny. I'm saying I'm is sure that Lenny you, and yeah. I for 10 years have had this argument where he has posed that to me. And in the last five years, the last 10 years, I've said the opposite, which is maybe the last five. I'm saying we'll just I'm going. I mean, back I mean it could, ago, it could be. Saying. I don't I, it could be. But so I would, you so you've changed. So look, oh, I, like I have I said, significantly I changed. I am all in on understanding that rookie now the NFL obviously has not worked out the last. No, couple no. Years. No, but in but in, base, but in baseball, the way that kids are more are coming up more prepared and mashing, you would have to be an idiot to, uh, you know, to, to draft, uh, you know, a veteran guy as opposed to take a uh, late in the draft, 13th round, 12 to take a chance on one of these young rookies, because. We, we I just have uh, Pete Alonzo and, and Jordan Alvarez on Houston, like, I mean, they're coming up and hitting immediately and it's right. and it's not an anomaly anymore. They're all doing it. So. If I did say it years ago, I'll I'll own it. But I will say no, this: no, no, no. But I, I've, you, I've, you I've absolutely question, changed. You evolved, and you've evolved so heartily that you don't even remember saying it. That tells you everything you need to know about, you know, the best analysts out there. The people like Mish, they'll go out there and they'll they'll be willing to change their tune when they see the arrow going in the wrong in, in the other direction. And I think that's our job to prepare everybody 
the proper way. I'm you're obviously, I'm obviously not the best if I have Jacob Degrom and I have Jack, <laughs> and I have Jack <laughs> Flaherty and Ronald Acuna and an NL well, only league, and I don't we'll win. That's you, embarrassing. Well, well, this year we'll get you a black book, and we'll and we'll have you better prepared because we got a hundred prospect profiles in the black book. A hundred. Just, just let me know when and Travis I don't mean Shaw like and this. Jesus Aguilar don't do Listen, anything. You know how everybody does those stupid lists. You know we don't do lists. We do. Profiles. I know what you we do. do the whole thing. And Eric Cross, and then on top of that, I've got AFL notes by Welsh, who's down there in the AFL, who is interviewing these players. He's watching all the games, so we have firsthand knowledge. So we're going to have a whole notes section this year from AFL and the guys outside the top 100 too. So it's we are going to be the publication if you're playing okay. any sort of keeper format. It's going to be great. Unfortunately, um, the AFL did not did not uh, showcase a lot of the best guys this year. But yes, no, but outside again, the top 100, you'll get a lot of. Them but it's guys. something that typically year over year. It's, Absolutely. It's I don't know what happened to the AFL this year. No one went. Yeah. I'm not really sure why. Joe Adele is the only top name there. But yeah. All right. All right uh, number three, ride or die with your top picks. I know it's hard. I know you're one and four or you're two and three and you're not loving life right now. And you're thinking about, oh, am I going to bench Juju Smith-Schuster this week? Am I going to bench that, Mike Evans? And how'd that work out? Not good. Not good. Ride or die with your top picks. You've made the commitment. You have to ride or die. And you very well might die, but the problem is you don't want to kill yourself. <laughs> you. Here's the thing: it's better. You very to well die. might die if you place the front digs this week. Have a no, day. no, no. But it's better to die on the field than to die and kill yourself on the bench. You're killing yourself on the bench because the replacement value potential of those players is nowhere near the talent you drafted. And I know it's frustrating. I know it's dark times. As Dusty Rhodes would say, "It's hard times, baby. Sometimes when when things don't go your way, it's hard times." But look. Look, you have no choice. This is the commitment you made. You believed in this player. Don't look at the small view of things. Look at the bigger picture and realize the replacement value is just not there. Ride or die with your top guys. Okay, so so you're, so Evans plays for you this week in fantasy. Correct? Yes, absolutely. Stephon Diggs plays for you this yes. week. Yes, against the Eagles? Frick yeah. James Conner. You made me say frick. I hope I don't get fired. James, James Conner. Conner. You have no choice. Who are you going to okay. play over Conner this week? You no, play Adrian I, Peterson over I, Connor. I, I agree, man. There, there's not a lot of ride there. or die. DMX. Uh, <laughs> DMX. Never thought I'd hear that <clears throat> reference on the show, but indeed that's <clears throat> true. All right, that's Professor Joe Pizapia, and that is the first hour of fantasy sports today, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Uh, the best of the first hour is coming up next. Then we'll dive into a little bit more baseball. Then our fun Thursday night prop segment. Joe's got his 10 things he hates about fantasy football. John Lobb joins us on the show. Just as a programming reminder, I'll be back here on the show from noon to 2 Eastern tomorrow live. And we'll have Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports recapping this Thursday night game. Hopefully it's more exciting than what is anticipated, but it certainly does not appear that we're headed in that direction. Plenty more to come here on FST. Don't go away. dailyrodo.com learn from the game's best dfs players we don't just give you premier advice we play every day all major sports all year round we never stop industry leading dfs tools and custom projections and now the dailyrodo.com optimizer in minutes build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys learn from the game's best dfs players join dailyrodo.com
Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. Two weeks ago, no one took the Browns at Baltimore. They beat them outright. The only question is, will they pull that off again this week against Seattle? Seattle minus two at Cleveland is the wrong team favorite in this game. So you think they just keep pulling rabbits out of the hat, huh? You think they could just I keep do. doing this over and over again? I do. I think they win mm-hmm. this week. <laughs> I t- ah. When when your team, when the team in the NFL is at their lowest, most overreactionary point, that's usually the time to go with that side. But look, I mean, this could be the end. The end of the season I, is this week. So I, I think the end is wins. Okay. I, I do. I th- I think that there's only so many times you could play that back against the wall before we all start to realize that, hey, this is not a good football team. And it's one thing when you got Lamar Jackson on the other side of this field and a Ravens defense, it's that's meh. It's another thing when you got Russell Wilson on the other side of this field. Russell Wilson's playing like an MVP right now. And I think at the end of the day, this game comes down to which quarterback can you trust to make the play in the big moment. And I don't trust Baker Mayfield to do that. I'm sorry, I just don't. So I think the right team is favored here. And you make all the right points. You're absolutely right. The Browns have showed you when their back's against the wall so far this year. They've shown up. They showed up in that Jets game. But again, that's kind of like an incomplete because they played against a third-string quarterback. They showed up with their back against the wall after another loss and beat Baltimore and Baltimore. Yay. And then they got absolutely pwned on Monday night. That game was brutal. And to me, I think the Seahawks go in there. And I think this might be... If it's not the knife in the heart, it's certainly close to it. They, they're sticking it in. We'll see if another team can twist it, but it's going to be an ugly one. I think the Seahawks with Russell Wilson come out with a W. 